uh, we're doing a little series on the Sermon on the Mount, and today we're going to look at Matthew 5, 43 through 48. We're not covering the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. We're picking a few um, sections and looking at them, but I think the spirit of what the Sermon on the Mount is, which is a way for us to live as a new people, as disciples of Christ, the kingdom of God. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. What does it mean? What does it look like? What kind of life should we be living or pursuing? And the Sermon on the Mount is perhaps one of the best expositions of the kind of radical countercultural life that Jesus is calling us to. So with that in mind, let us read Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that your spirit will soften our hearts. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to us. Above all, help us to see who you are, O oh God. You call us to be perfect as you are perfect, O oh God. Help us to have a clearer picture of you, O oh God. And help us as your children to become more like you, especially in the way that we treat other people in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Uh, today is going to be a, hopefully a simple message, but one that I think will be helpful for us as we think about how to live, especially in a world that's becoming more and more uncivil, it feels at times, with social media and the, and the vitriol that is sometimes found. And so today's message is particularly apt for us and in our time. Uh, a while back, there was a New York Times article about the increase in use of private jets. And in this article, um, they interviewed a successful businessman about why he made the change to, from flying commercial to private jets. And he says this, he was traveling in business class across country. The tipping point came for this person when he was traveling in business class across country and was seated next to a woman with a crying baby. He said it was at that moment he decided, I'm no longer going to fly commercial. He then justified his decision by summarizing his life philosophy. Quote, I realized the really important thing to me, this is his life philosophy, I realize a really important thing to me is to exclude anyone from my life that bums me out. As uncouth and crass as that philosophy may sound to us on first hearing, the sad reality is that that really is the default state of all people. Rather, we are as explicit or conscious about it as this man was, 
as crass and uncouth as this may sound when you actually say this out loud, my life and philosophy is to basically put a wall and keep everyone that doesn't make me happy out. But in fact, that's exactly what we as human beings do. We make circles. Do you guys remember a movie a while back? Some of you may be too young for this, but there was a movie called Meet the Parents. It was a Ben Stiller, Robert De Niro movie. And there was one scene where uh, Robert De Niro was a former CIA guy, really into, you know, he's a hard-nosed father, and he's got a future son-in-law that's coming home to visit, and he draws a circle. It's called the circle of trust. He draws a circle, and he draws a little dot outside the circle. And he says, that's you, Greg, his future son-in-law, outside the circle of trust. And we laugh at that, but we all draw circles. We all draw circles. And we label those circles, right? One of the circles we draw is family. We have a circle called family. And there are certain people that are within that circle, and we label them as family. We have another circle called friends or close friends. We have other circles called coworkers or associates. And there may be a bigger circle of neighborhood and community. And what we are not as explicit, perhaps, when we draw these circles is that whenever we draw a circle, there's always someone or a group that is outside of the circles we draw. We don't label them all the time, but they're outside of it, right? They are what we would, they are the people that we don't like. Now, in today's day and age, we don't have enemies, or maybe you, at least I know that I don't have a running sheet of current enemies. Like, if you tell me, Pastor Sam, who is your enemy? I pull out my enemies list. These are my enemies. Anyone have an enemies list? It's not common to us, but in Jesus' day, it was. When Jesus mentions enemies, the people kind of had a very common idea of, of who an enemy was. It was the Roman Empire. It was the tax collector. It was the collaborators. It was the centurion, the soldiers who represented the Roman Empire, who ruled the people of Israel as foreigners. But rather, you were like the Israelites who identified the enemies, or more like us who just have circles, but we may not name it. But there are people who are outside of our circles. And what Jesus, thinks, Jesus is saying is that the traditional way in which human beings, you and I, decide how we're going to interact, how we are going to love other people, is by using labels, right? So rather we are subconsciously aware of it, of it or not, when we label someone, if I label you friend, Okay, because you are in that circle of friends, I now treat you with a certain amount of love and grace and courtesy and kindness. But if I label you as enemy outside of the circle, then it justifies me not being as kind to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whenever someone in the Bible asks God, who do you want me to love? Underneath that question is a second question that says, God, who can I not love and be okay? Who am I justified 
to not care about. See, when the lawyer came to Jesus and said, Jesus, who is my neighbor that I'm supposed to love? The question really there is, are there people, there are people I'm called to love my neighbors, but who are the ones that I don't have to love and feel okay about? That's what labels do. Do you guys follow me? We label people a certain way to justify us not caring for them to the degree we would care for other people and other labels. There's a second way that we, there's a second criteria by which we decide how we're going to respond to people, and that is behavior. Look with me to verse 46. It says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. In other words, the second way, the second criteria that most all of us, Christians or not, use to determine how we treat other people is how they treat us. If you're kind to me, I will be kind to you. If you invite me to lunch, if you buy me boba drink when it's hot, if you massage my back when I'm tired, I will massage your back, I will buy you a boba drink, and I will take you out to lunch. All of us, some of us more than others, we keep a tally in our head, don't we? We are kind to those, or at least it is easier to be kind to those who are kind to us. It is much easier to dismiss those who are dismissive of us. It is easy not to be gracious with those who are not gracious with us. So it is these two things, labels and how they treat us. These two are the ways in which we decided if I'm going to love you or be kind to you. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the way it has been. This is how the world is. And I'm telling you that you no longer can use those criteria to decide how you're going to treat others. Now, we would think that the radical way that Jesus could address this is to tell us, don't draw circles anymore. Don't have boundaries. Everyone is now your neighbor. You should love everyone as if they're your family. Amen? We would think that Jesus might go there, and you guys are learning. You guys, we might think Jesus will say that, but he doesn't. Why? Because Jesus is not living in fantasy world. He knows that we are limited. We are finite. The number of people that we can genuinely care for and love are limited. We're not God. We don't have an infinite uh, resource of love and grace for the world. We have a very limited capacity on building deep relationships, perhaps three, five, seven. Jesus, after all, had the inner circle of three, and then the 12 disciples, then the larger 70 disciples, then the crowd. God knows we are not God. Therefore, we do need to draw circles. So God doesn't obliterate the reality that there are some people that we're going to be closer to and that there are some people who are going to mis mistreat us. There are going to be some people who 
are going to be abusive and persecute us and break promises. There's just going to be people in life who bum us out. He's not telling us to eliminate those lines. The radical teaching is not that we're going to eliminate these circles. The radical teaching that Jesus is telling us is that these circles no longer becomes the criteria by which you can choose whether you're going to treat them one way or another. Do you guys follow? No longer can the label now justify our behavior towards others. In fact, Jesus says the radical teaching here is to let go of our own prerogative to decide what criteria we use to love others. Okay, let me say that again. The radical teaching here is that we forego our own right to decide who we're going to love and how we're going to treat them. For now, Jesus says, for now, you've treated people, you've, you made a decision whether you're going to be nice to someone or not based on two things. How you label them? Well, he's a foreigner. He's, a, he's not related to me. He's someone that I don't really know well. He's distant. He's mean. She's this and that. They belong to a different tribe. He says, up to this point, you use labels like that and you use behavior. This person's nice to me. Oh, you're my BFF. You're so good to me. You call me when I'm down. I'm going to be nice to you. But the person who is not as kind, not as responsive, we're going to exclude them. Jesus says, those two criterias are no longer going to be the criteria by which you decide how you're going to treat others. Then what criteria then does Jesus give? He says, the criteria I'm going to give you, the new one, is that you be like your Father in heaven. The new criteria of how you treat other people is that you treat people the way God treats people. And how does God treat people? He says, God makes a sunrise on the evil and the good. He makes a rain come on the just and the unrighteous and the unjust. God gives common grace, what we call common grace, to all the world. doesn't matter if you're good or wicked. He loves his creation, and he provides for them. It doesn't mean that we love everyone the same. It means that we love everyone at a basic level of decency. I think Jesus using sun and the rain is a way to say, of course, we're not going to love everyone the way we love our families or my spouse or my children. But he says, everyone you meet, even those who are mean to you, even those who persecute you, even those who mistreat you, we treat them at a decent level. If you see them in need for basic necessities of life, we provide. That's the kind of life God is calling us. This this modeling ourselves after God who provides for all of his creations. That's the radical. The criteria that you used in the past to decide how you're going to treat someone, Jesus says, no longer. The criteria that you use now to decide how I'm going to treat you, how I'm going to treat the person I meet on the street, how I even treat those who may have abused me or have lied to me or broken my trust, 
how I'm going to treat those who are in other camps, political or otherwise, is how God treats everyone. That's the new criteria, and that's the radical. And if you think that's easy, just try it. Because God's love is generous and is big. And, is, and it takes all of God's grace to, to model ourselves after that. But it's a wonderful thing when we do. And I want to end with this. Why is that so important? Why is that so important? It is so important because you have to understand that this passage is in, in a way very much related to the reality that God loved you and me when we were his enemies. See, Jesus, when he says love your enemies as a window into God, is really not about enemies as someone out there. When Jesus says God loves the wicked and the unrighteous, he's really talking about us. Because Rome, Romans 5.10 tells us, for while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God. While we were God's enemies, Christ died for us and brought us into his family. And that is why we take every opportunity to model ourselves after God and to love everyone at a basic, decent human level and then realize that every opportunity is an opportunity to reconcile people to ourselves and to God, this ministry of reconciliation. This is the radical teaching that Jesus gives us in today's passage. No longer are you to decide how you're going to be treating someone by labels, what circles they belong, or how they treat you. We're now going to treat them as God treats his enemies, which is to love them, to provide basic needs, and to ultimately to try and reconcile them to himself. This is our mindset moving forward. THMCEM, this is your calling and how you are to relate to other people in the world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your call to help us abandon the old ways of deciding how we will interact with others and into this new way of following you, how you loved us even while we were your enemies and reconciled us to yourself. Help us now to see the world as someone, as a world, as people that you love and care for at every level and help us to treat everyone with a sense of basic decency and to meet the needs of those in need the necessities of life, and help us to remember to look at opportunities when we run into people who are difficult as ways to show forth your grace and who you are and the way we interact with them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.